Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, which are the schemes, the plans of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shud your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to teach you and talk to you a little bit about the idea or the second part of this subject, the, the art of spiritual warfare, the art of spiritual warfare. And we're calling this on part two. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Father God, for this time that we get to be in your presence, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we've done all the announcements. We've shared everything. Um, We filled your throne with worship. Now I pray, Father, that you would speak to us, Lord. Um, Let it be your words that escape my lips and not my own, Lord. I pray, Father, that at the end of this day, Lord, um, that we would see clearly, um, but that we would have practical handles on what to do with what we see. Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on, Greater Church, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus in this place? Come on. Last week, um, we had, uh, we started this series, and I remember that there was a shift in the way that Paul wrote in his writings in the book of Ephesians. Um, In my family, we, you can't just wake everybody up any type of way. Um, I remember when I was a teenager and when the alarm clocks, and I remember I showed you guys the old school alarm clocks that all of us had. Um, but I remember that when I was in my teens and in my early 20s, I had to have the loudest alarm and it had to be at full volume. I mean, uh, 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 that's the only way that I was able to wake up. You can't do that in my family right now. You especially can't do that with my wife. She hates to be woke up. I like my kids. Like, I have to fight with them now. So I throw water on them to wake them up. You know what I'm saying? Some of my parents know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because they get on your nerves. Nothing tests your salvation like waking up a kid in the morning to go to school. You want to kick them. And so what happens, though, is that we're, we're kind of careful with the way that we do stuff at the house. So we're, we're calm and we're like, hey, baby, wake up. They get about two of those. And then after the two of those, I'm like, bro, I'm getting the cup of water. And they already know. If my mama tortured me, I'm going to torture you. And so shake them a little bit. The same thing with my wife. What happens in this scripture is the complete opposite. What's happening in the scripture is that Paul has been writing for chapters now. And he's been teaching the people of Ephesians, of Ephesus. He's been teaching them on how to be blessed in unity. 
how to make sure that they have families, how to raise, how to spend time with their wives and their husbands and how to take care of their kids. I mean, they, he's teaching them all of these things that they need to be great Christians. And then all of a sudden, he just completely makes a hard right turn and it feels like an alarm gets turned all the way up and ah, 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 ah. Yesterday, we started with be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we began to unpack, and I believe we hit a vein in this church because the conversations that I had outside of Sundays were one that showed me that this was something that is happening inside of the church. And the idea was that a lot of us in this house, we're getting cooked, and we don't even know that we're getting cooked. Meaning, I showed you a picture of a crab that was inside of a bucket, and he was eating bread while he was being boiled. And for some of us in this place, when we think about, we love God and we love the Father who's so far in heaven and he's our God. We love you, Lord God. We love Jesus, the idea of him. We love baby Jesus at Christmas. The Holy Spirit, uh, you know what I mean? We don't know how we feel sometimes. Some of us, depending on what your theological background is, you get a little eerie when it comes to the Holy Spirit. But then when you take it across the field and you begin to talk about the devil and demons and stuff, you're like, eh, I don't know about all this poltergeist stuff. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I saw that. I don't like scary movies. This isn't a scary movie. This is something that I believe that all of us are dealing with in one shape or form or fashion. And for some of us in seasons, the fire is turned up so much and we haven't had this thought that has hit us that it's like, yo, maybe I'm not fighting against my husband. Maybe I'm not fighting against my boss. Maybe there's something else at play here. Paul begins this thing and I'm going to sit down because I don't want to get too amped up and hype. I want to teach you today. Can I teach y'all? Let go. Y'all had breakfast? Y'all had coffee at least? Y'all fasting? Y'all did water? I know. You're tired right now, but I need you to wake up. Get up. <laughs> you shout back here at Greater. We like to talk back to the preacher. I like that. One of our favorite words is Dale. Uh, we don't sit there and look at the preacher. We, we engage in the sermon. So engage. Don't sit there with your scary face like, are you talking about the, the what in the... Is he talking about in this place? I came here for a good way. talking about the devil and the demons. <laughs> Paul switches and he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And last week, I, I kind of explained what that was. And hopefully, um, you got a little bit of a glimpse of what it looks like in a spiritual sense and what could be attacking you. And if you haven't, go back and you can listen to it on YouTube and Facebook. But then he shifts and he tells him, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then he says, I want you to put on the full armor of God. Put on the armor because you're getting cooked. Um, I've already talked to you about all the good stuff, but now I need you to be strong and I need you to put on the armor. When he says put on the armor, and I want you to bring up that scripture if we can. When he says put on the armor, he says put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. That word stand, I think it's important because that word stand is very telling. Here's what that word tells you. That word tells you that you're in the right spot. That word tells you that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. It's not telling you to advance or retreat. It's telling you to stand. He's not saying, I want you to grab your sword and come on, we're going to go kill the devil because the gates of hell will not prevail. It doesn't say this. What he's saying in this moment, I've never been in a fight where I stand. That doesn't make sense to me. You got to advance or you got to retreat. You got to get in your pivot. You got to get set up. Something needs to happen when you're in a fight. But I think Paul was very, I think he was telling us and he was teaching us something about not only how to do it, but the position in which to do it. 
And when you stand, it means that you're in the right spot. You're in the correct spot. Because the bigger the attack is always demonstrative or it's always teaching you that the bigger the impact that you carry. The devil is only going to attack that which has impact. And so if you're standing, it means that you're in the right spot. Don't move. You're the right wife. You're the right husband. You're at the right job. You don't have to go forward. You don't have to go back. You're in the right spot. You are enough. Paul says to them, I want you to understand that you're going to put on the armor so that you can stand. Some of y'all, we need to give ourselves more credit, better, more credit for what we're doing. We're, we're doing way better than we give ourselves credit for. You, you're okay. And I know, oh, I don't know, Chino. Listen, you're, you're fine. I can tell you you're fine because of the level of attack that you're under. Stand. There are, there are plans that the enemy says. Bring that scripture up real quick. The Bible says, I want you to stand against the devil. Watch this. In heavenly places, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. The one before that, the scripture before that. So finally, brethren, stand, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the, that word wiles in the New Testament. I chose that. And in the, King James, in the King James Version and in the New King James Version, that word wiles means methodia. And methodia, obviously, is where we get the word method. And the word method, if you actually, the actual meaning of the word method is when you begin to lie in wait. And for some of us, we see National Geographics and you see when a prey, when an animal is, when a predator is seeking a prey, he is lying in wait and he's just waiting for something. So here's the thought of this, that the enemy has a plan for you and it is going to get turned up the closer that you are in the spot that he doesn't want you to be at because he's not worried about chasing you too far ahead or chasing you too far down the road. He's just waiting for this one spot for you to get to. That's why every time you said, I'm going to turn up and I'm going to start praying during 21 days of prayer and fasting, it feels like your entire life gets flipped upside down. Have you ever noticed that when you say, me and my family, we're going to go to church, we're going to do this thing, all of a sudden it feels like everything in life, all hell breaks loose in your life? It's because you're getting yourself in the right spot. It's when you have that idea, and I'm going to start this business, that all of a sudden now your phone broke, your car broke, your kids are crazy, he broke his leg, now you got to give him stitches, you're trying to figure out, yo, what is happening? What's happening right now is that you're in the right spot. And if you're in the right spot, it means that the enemy understands that, and he's waiting, the methodia, the idea of I'm waiting for you. And if I attack you, it's because I got you. But does he though? Because as Christians, we... We have a little bit of a different thought pattern when it comes to this. Here's why. Because I've lived my life, and I would even say even as a Christian, that I've gotten to these places where I stand. And all of a sudden, I feel like, oh, hell breaks loose. Me and my wife, we get in fights. My kids come home, and I have to talk to four different teachers because my kids are acting crazy. I come over here. My job is crazy. My boss is crazy. And everything around me, and sometimes it's probably because I'm crazy, but everything around me right now is going absolutely nuts and bonkers. And you know what happens? Is what Jim, Coll Jim Collins called the death loop. What happens is that then you, I stop reading a little bit less. And I stop praying a little bit less. And before you know it, I start allowing myself to get depressed. And why am I even doing this? Like, what's the point of me even reading my Bible? Why am I sitting here trying to learn this stuff? Why am I actually trying to stand in this? When in reality, it just feels like it just gets worse. Because it's a day. Can I show you what the Bible says? Scripture talks about it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. It's going to come up on the screens. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Can I tell you that these are seasons? 
These are not permanent in your life. When you get through this as men and women of God, I'm going to teach you and I've been trying to show you how to be able to fight back against the enemy when he tries to bring these things. But they are for a season when you begin to resist the devil and he will flee from you. So what I'm trying to teach you is how to be able to resist, not how to cower back and quit. You can't quit because this is bigger than you quitting. It's bigger than the person that you think that you're fighting against. Because the scripture says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not your husband that you're fighting against. It's not your boss that you're fighting against. You're fighting against something that's a lot bigger. There's a lot more to this thing. It's like New Year's, we all say I want to lose weight. And that sounds like a great thought. I'm going to lose weight. Okay, cool. That's a great plan. For you to lose weight, though, you got to get atomic with it, meaning you have to bring it down to the most smallest nuclear level. What are some things that you have to do? I'm going to read some things that I, I wrote down as goals for me. I got to get up early and I got to stretch. I got to limit my coffee drinking. I got to eat every three hours. I have to drink 0.5 to one ounce of water for each pound, meaning I have to drink two gallons or a gallon and a half of water. I got to stop eating sweets. I have to stop drinking coffee after 2 p.m. That right there is the hard one. Praise the Lord. I have to, I, I have to stop eating after 7 p.m. No TV and social media after 8 p.m. I have to read instead of being on my phone before I go to bed at night. And then I try to go to bed early, like around 10 o'clock, so that I can wake up and be strong to be able to do that. That's how you lose weight. You can't just say, I want to lose weight. You got to actually have a plan. So what if it's not just what's happening around you, but there's something so much more deeper that's behind over there that you really haven't been seeing? Because you've been talking about losing weight, but you go to sleep at 3 o'clock in the morning after eating the fourth bag of popcorn. But it's healthy, Chino. Popcorn doesn't make you fat. <laughs> I want you to stand in the evil day. It's a season. There's a, there's a time for it. But then also, when he says, I want you to stand, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And then he says, having done all. And this is where a lot of us have found ourselves even here. We've tried it, Chino. I've done the self-medication I've done the, I feel like I've done the, the health thing. I've, I've tried to, I've cried. I punched the wall. I called this person. I asked that person for help. I've done it all. Once you've done it all, the Bible says, I want you to stand. Now that you're in this space where you've ran out of options and resources and you understand that you're getting cooked and you got to go back next week to be able to listen if you don't understand what that means, but you're getting cooked. The idea is now you have to stand because you're in the right spot. Don't run. Don't, don't get afraid from this thing. I'm going to give you some tools to be able to fight. The art of spiritual warfare is understanding how to be able to fight in the midst of when you're getting attacked. Check this out. How, how do you fight or, or how do you stand? What is it and how to do it? I'm going to show you those two things. Paul begins or Paul continues this thing and he says, I want you to put on the whole armor of God. And so the whole armor of God, what Paul was talking in this times, these were, this was it, the context in which he was looking at the armor of God was that of a Roman. And so the Roman guards, during his time, he was under Roman rule. And so the idea was that he was actually picturing what a Roman guard looked like. And he began to explain to us what that actually means. And so the first thing that he says is that I want you to gird yourself or I want you to be buckled with the belt 
of truth. And I want you to take some notes because a lot of this, what I'm going to tell you, is very practical in nature. This is not a little Scorpio, make sure you leave your windows open. Today you're going to receive blessings. Aries, walk through the doors. This isn't a horoscope. I'm giving you some tools to be able to fight back against the enemy. I'm not giving you a motivational talk so that you can walk away and say, oh my God, I like that church. That black Cuban was amazing. It was fun. I want you to take some stuff to fight for your family, to fight for your marriage, to fight for your finances, to fight for your children, to stop allowing the devil to take hold of your anxiety, your depression. You don't have to continue to live in suicidal thoughts. You don't have to allow for the enemy to keep badgering your mind. I'm trying to give you some tools so that you can fight back, so that you don't allow for him to continue to put you on the cycle that you feel like you've been in for so long. Today, if you take these tools, I promise you that you're going to walk out of here stronger. I want you to gird yourself with the belt of truth. And this speaks about, number one, it speaks about truth, but it also speaks about purity. Now, a belt, it's circled all around you, and it covers every area. It goes around you. This belt actually would also um, cover over the loins or the groin, the front of you, and it would cover you, and, be, and it would be keeping it safe. Now, here's the thought of it. The thought is that you would encircle your entire life with truth. Because the enemy is constantly whispering, you're, you're not enough of a mom. You were the one that screwed your kid up. You're not a good wife. You're not a good husband. But you're not doing enough for this family. You're at this job, but really you're at this job because they, they pity you. That's the only reason. You, don't, you sit at a meeting and you talk. And when you're talking at the meeting, it feels like the conversations that everybody's having, the moment that I say something, I'm saying something so stupid. It doesn't make sense. And you're constantly badgering yourself. I'm not even supposed to be here. The truth of God is that you are more than a conqueror. That you are the head and not the tail. Now, here's what I want you to understand. I can say those things and they be become a praise break and manipulation in certain contexts because it means, oh, yeah, you know, oh, I'm the head and not the tail. Come on, glory to God. And, and I could create that mood. But then the other side of the pendulum is that you begin to say, oh, we don't do the blessing. That's prosperity talk. That's not prosperity talk, nor is it something that I need to manipulate you to get you $7.99 so you can buy my prayer cloth or join my ministry in my newsletter. This is actually the word of God and the truth that God has make you more, has made you more than a conqueror. The battle has already been won by Jesus. You stand in his victory. You didn't lift a finger, but Jesus lifted every single thing that you couldn't. The heavy lifting was done with him. We get to receive that. So we are more than conquerors. We already won the battle. Jehovah Nisi means that in the midst of me fighting, there is a banner of victory that I've already won the battle. So when I say these things, please don't understand that I'm not trying to manipulate or play with your emotions. I'm trying to get you to a space for you to understand what's inside of you. And when you circle yourself with the truth, it allows for you to understand that, you know, the truth of the word is what I live by, not what I'm feeling or what I'm being attacked by from the enemy. Not only is it truth, but it's also purity. It also contains an element that it produces or it protects you of a certain area. Um, and for those of you that didn't learn about the birds and the bees, we're going to talk about the birds and the bees. And so, no, I'm not doing that. Come back in February, maybe. I don't know. But, but it, it actually protects an area of reproduction. And so we have to live the life that actually is honoring reproduction or that we want to reproduce. We want to live the type of life that people can actually see and actually reproduce in their life. That's what truth and that's what purity looks like in our life. The reason why me and my wife, we're pure with each other. We want our kids to be able to model that. The reason why I'm not out there smoking crack and doing all this crazy stuff is because I want them, I want to reproduce in their life and be able to say, yo, I want to be like my dad. And for some of us, that's difficult because we don't know what that actually looks like. But you can start it. Put on the belt of truth. Number two, it says... 
put on the breastplate of righteousness. And when it's speaking about this, it's speaking about covering the heart, but it's also speaking about pride. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And so this breastplate was something that went from their neck all the way down and it covered their vital organs, but it also protected their hearts. Remember, we're talking about Roman warriors who would be in a fight. And so this, this breastplate was able to cover them, but it talks about covering us with the righteousness, with the breastplate of righteousness. And what happens is that in our heart, a lot of issues begin here. And a lot of things start here when we start to feel stuff and we start to think, yo, am I even a Christian? Like, I know I'm going to church and stuff, but like, yo, does God even listen to me? And your heart can get swayed real easy. And what the righteousness of God is saying is that you're not righteous. Yo, I, I'm standing on this stage. I, I ain't got it all figured out. I'm grateful for the blood of Jesus, and I'm grateful that I get to be more and more like him. I'm better tomorrow than I am today. I'm on the process. But I understand that my righteousness, meaning that what God says, hey, I'm good with, it's because of Jesus. And today we put on the breastplate of righteousness, understanding that Jesus already paid a, a cost that me and you could never pay. That's why he's telling you to stand. You don't stand in the middle of a fight unless you got somebody who's protecting you. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Number three, he says, I want you to put on the shoes of peace. He says, I want you to put on the shoes of peace. Now, when, uh, the shoes of the gospel of peace. Now, the gospel, it means good news, Right? And so the enemy is constantly bombarding our thoughts of us not being good enough, not truly being loved. There's the gospel of peace. And it, there's torment that it feels like we're under, especially when we're on spiritual attack. It feels like we're being tormented. And here's what the thought is. I'm going to bring peace to you. Now watch this. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you the peace that the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So God is saying, I have a different type of peace. I don't have the peace that you get when you do the THC and the CBD. Got quiet in the house of God. <laughs> that peace doesn't last too long. But the peace that I give you is going to last even when the money doesn't. That peace is going to last even when the relationship doesn't. The peace that I have, it surpasses understanding. It guards your hearts and it guards your mind. I have a peace that I want to produce to you. Now, here's the beauty of it. When he talks about being shud with the readiness, in, in, the new in, the, in the King James Version, it says, the readiness to preach the gospel of peace. So this, this is actually talking not just about us being clothed. And I want you to understand, the Romans, they didn't have Yeezys and Nikes. And they, they had flat leather. And then they had little... The little, the little, I don't even know how you say it, the one that goes in your big toe and it goes around, around. The one your grandma used to wear. I hated them because I didn't like how they make my toes feel. And so, so they were, they were flat in nature and they were rectangular in nature. And the reason why they were made was because in the fight, what they did was that they produced balance. And they allowed for you to be balanced. So when you're standing and these things were flat and they had the shield, I'll explain it in just a second. When they were in this position, the thought was that these shoes actually bring balance. What happens is that in any situation that you go to, and I'm going to show you how to be able to apply this to your life, but in any situation that you go to, what you're bringing is balance. 
That's why you walk into some rooms and people will be like, man, there's something different about you. The climate will begin to change for the good or for the bad. You start to see some people get a little riled up and don't like you. It's not that they don't like you. They don't like what's inside of you and what you're carrying because you're bringing balance while everybody is swinging to the left and everybody's fighting and bickering. All of a sudden, you come into the place with balance and peace and it starts to stir people up the wrong way and you start to watch with other people as they start to be attracted and drawn to you. Now you don't know why people are saying, I don't know why I'm telling you this. And you're having those type of conversations. People are texting you and you're trying to wonder like, yo, I don't know what to say to this person. I'm, I'm an idiot. I don't know. What, what am I going to say to you, bro? Like, that's a big deal. And then you say something and then you're just like, in your mind, you're like, oh my God, what the heck did you just say, bro? Did you even listen to yourself? But they're like, oh my God, thank you. Oh my God, I can't even know. That was the most, oh, thank you. I needed that. Give yourself more credit, man. You got to understand that you have something living inside of you that's so much bigger than what's coming out of your mouth. And God will use all things for his glory. When you step into a place, you bring peace and you bring balance because your feet are shut with the readiness to preach the gospel of peace. And then, then he says, then I want you to take the shield of faith. Now, the shield of faith, it speaks about complete protection. Here's what I, I want you to think of because I know that the movies have played it, but if you look at them correctly, the, the shield of faith, think... You think of a little shield, you know what I mean? Like you got this round thing like, you know, like um, uh, Captain America. This wasn't the shield that the Romans had. In fact, the shields that the Romans had would cover them from feet all the way up to the top. And so basically what they would have is these shields that were like a door. So think about a square door that was just bent a little bit. And so these shields were able to cover them completely. Now, when it's talking about that shield, it's talking about the shield of faith. That's what faith does for us. Faith is the very first line of defense. Uh, a few months ago, we were having a conversation with our young adults, and we asked God, I mean, we asked, the, the, we asked everybody, why is it that faith is such a big deal to God? Like, why is the only thing that you can do for God? It's not how much you tithe. It's not how much you serve in church. It's not how many times you come to church. The thing that pleases God is faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why is it that it's such a big deal? is because faith is the only thing that will connect you to God. If I go to your house, I could put in whatever password I want to to get into your Wi-Fi, but unless you give me your password, I will not be able to connect. But the moment that me and you have a conversation and you allow and you give me that password, all of a sudden now I have access to be able to receive the information that comes via the internet because you gave me that password. Here's the truth. Faith is the very thing that will allow for the miracles, the blessing, the protection of God to come into your life. Without it, it is impossible to please God, but with it, we understand that the world's Hebrews 11.3 says that the worlds were framed because of faith. We believe it because of the word of God. And we have faith in the word that God has spoken. And when we have faith, that shield right there, it becomes so anointed. In fact, it, Isaiah used to talk about anointing the shields. And it didn't make sense because I was like, why would you anoint a shield? Just fight with it. Well, the enemy would shoot these flaming arrows and the, especially when they were at war. And so these arrows, would they would dip it in oil and different things, and they would swing it at them. And then when the arrow would hit the shield, because of the fire that was on the, on the arrow, it would make the entire shield, because they were made out of wood, it would make it catch on fire. So what they did was that they started getting those shields, and they started dipping them inside of anointing oil. 
and the children of God would take it and dip it inside the anointing or that they prayed about, that they spent time with, and they would dip it and they would soak it in there for days at a time. And then they would go out to war. Whenever they went out to war and the enemy would throw the fiery darts, all of a sudden when it would hit the shield, it would fizzle out. What does that look like in our life? It looks like the Holy Spirit. It looks like we need to be saturated in the power of God daily, that we need to be spending time with him, that when we saturate our faith in the presence of God, that that begins to diminish the flaming arrows of the enemy, that every time that he attacks you, you have a thing in front of you that begins to tell you, I know I feel anxious, but God told me not to be anxious, to pray, and that he would replace my anxiety with peace. That is called faith. That doesn't make sense. Think about it for a second. I'm feeling anxious, but I'm going to believe that I got peace. And all of a sudden, I'm going to get it. No, you believe that there's a God that's real in heaven who actually will give that to you. And all of a sudden now, there's a re an even exchange where peace starts to take over your heart. But it's because you got this shield of faith, baby. It's because you got this thing that you couldn't work it out. You couldn't figure it out. But you're holding this thing up. Then he says, I want you to grab the helmet of salvation. And he says, put on the helmet of salvation. Now, the helmet of, of salvation speaks about identity and promise. And so much as the heart, so much starts up here. This thing right here, in between your two ears, that thing is rough. That thing will lie to you, tell you you're not going to do that again, but you end up doing it again. That thing will hurt you, manipulate you. That thing right here, what happens is that the enemy would even lie to you and begin to tell you, you start to think to yourself that you're not really who you think you are. And your identity starts to get screwed and shifted where you start thinking, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a this addict and I'm a that addict and I'm, I'm dealing with this identity and I'm dealing with this uh, substance abuse and I'm dealing with this and I'm dealing with that. And you will begin to take on an identity of a mistake instead of allowing for it to be just that a mistake and something that God can actually pay for. Just because you lied doesn't mean that you're a liar. So what happens, though, is that when you take this identity on, then you start to become this thing. But the helmet of salvation protects you from the thoughts of the enemy and aligns you with the identity that comes from God. The helmet was one of the things that actually, when you look at it, I can even, if I demonstrate it, I should have brought some pictures. But if I tell you what it looks like, you would know. The helmet was a gold helmet. And then remember, it had that mohawk with the red, with the red, like a red mohawk. And then if you had some rank, the Mohawk went to sideways. It identified the Roman guards. It identified the Roman army. It identified people. The helmet is identifying you, not as a broken, messed up individual, but it's identifying you as a child of God. The helmet of salvation denotes that you have salvation, that you are his, that you were purchased with his blood, and that you belong to him. The helmet of salvation is a helmet of promise. That I couldn't earn this thing, but I'm going to put this thing on because I know I'm saved. The wrath of God is no longer my lot. I have blessings and promises from God. Ones to know him. Ones to find freedom that I don't have to deal with my yesterday anymore. One that says I'm going to discover my purpose, what God created me for, and that I'm actually made to make a difference. This helmet actually protects those areas. And then last but not least, he says, I want you to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, I love how he explains this. And the writer isn't very clear, or who the writer is, is not very clear. But Hebrews chapter 4, I believe it's Paul. It says in verse 12, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. When you think of the, of the sword of the spirit, you probably think of this huge sword 
that they're fighting with. You know what I mean? Like Excalibur or something. You know what I mean, Sam? Like this big, just, you think that it's this big sword. But actually, in the Greek, that word, when, that word that's used for sword in Ephesians chapter 6 is the word mahara. And that word mahara, it actually means that it's a smaller or a big knife, but it's a small sword. It's a, it's a very small knife that you fight with. This is the knife that is used whenever they had animals, whenever they had to dress any hunters in the building. It's like an, a knife that you would be able to cut and be able to do the animal stuff and all of that. I think it was important. And when we tie both scriptures, Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and you tie this idea of the sword of the spirit, I think you get an understanding of what it is. Because number one, it's, it's close hand-to-hand combat. It's not something that I'm going to do from far away. But with the enemy, when I'm standing, I'm in the spot. I'm standing in my place. I know where I'm at. And there's going to be some close hand-to-hand combat. There's going to be some fighting that you're going to do with the word. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not going to allow for the devil to take my child. My husband is no longer going to be an addict. My husband is going to come back to the feet of Jesus. And he's going to serve you. And I'm going to watch as you use use Paul and you turn them from Saul to Paul. You're going to do that with my husband. You're going to do that with my wife. You're going to do that with my parents. And here is this fight that you constantly do with the word of God where you start to get specific with your prayers I'm no longer going to be dealing with anxiety Philippians 4 6 and 7 be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication make your request known unto God and the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus I'm going to hold this thing and I'm going to fight with this thing here's the truth though it's a double-edged sword that knife that mahara is also used on yourself and this ain't no Jim Jones we about to all die here (laughs) This is where you start cutting some stuff off that don't belong there. Sometimes, sometimes it looks like a phone number off your phone. Sometimes it looks like somebody off your Facebook and Instagram. Sometimes it's, I need to start cutting off this lust. And I need to start fighting. I I can't, I'm no longer going to allow for depression and anxiety to be a crutch. That when I wake up in the morning, I need to... I need to feel that anxiety. I need to feel that depression. You start to cut that thing off and you start to shave it off with the mahara, which is the word of God. That when you start using this thing, it actually starts to change some stuff inside of you. You start cutting things off in faith, believing that God is standing with you and doing the work with you. We like the word. We don't like the surgery that the word produces because some stuff we're so clung to. But God wants to rip it apart and he's not worried about what else gets damaged. He is still Jehovah Rapha, the healer. He'll take care of it. But in this moment, he wants to snatch that very thing off of you. And for some of us, that thing is sin. That thing is the idea that we, you come to church and we say, good morning. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But when you get around Monday and your boss go to, you snatch your ear, you know what I'm saying? And the words... (laughs) And the actions, and for some of us, it's not, maybe we're not just that aggressive. With some of us, we just allow people to run us over all day long. And we empower and we enable people to do things to us. And for some of us, man, maybe it is addiction. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be lust. For some of us, we we deal with sin. And sin is something that, obviously, it doesn't please the Father. And so we have a thing that I believe is called the, the mahara that it actually, it cuts. I believe that the word of God, if I read John correctly, that mahara has a name. It's a little bit different. The, the name is Jesus. He is the word of God. 
he can actually change us from the inside out. I believe that the Jesus that we talked about in scripture, even what Paul was talking about putting on the armor of God, in every single armor piece, you find Jesus in it. Because he is still the helmet of our salvation. He's the breastplate of our righteousness. He is our truth. He is our balance and he is our peace. He is our great shield. He's also our sword. And so when we're covered with Jesus, when we wear Jesus, and I'll show you how to do that in a moment, but when we wear Jesus, everything changes. For some of us in this room, we haven't taken that first step of accepting Jesus into our hearts as our personal Lord and Savior. And today I want to give you an opportunity to be able to, before you start with any of the stuff that I said, it starts with Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's called prayer. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's called faith, that you shall be saved. So today, the first step in getting Jesus and getting yourself right with God is for you to pray and for you to find faith. And that faith is already inside of you. That's not Chino talking on a microphone or an incredible piano being played. That's the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord drawing men unto repentance. God is the one that attracts you. He's been chasing you. I'm just using some words that he's been telling you for a while now. And for all of us, we heard it in different ways, but we're wondering if the person next, hey, you tell him what I'm going through? No. God knows. He's been calling you. He's been chasing you down. And he's been waiting for this moment to be able to get it right with you. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast.